As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the On Farm podcast. It's Anna here with you this week and um, we actually have an all-female episode uh, this week because I am joined by a lady named Carmen. Carmen is from an organisation called First Port and I'm not going to steal her thunder by telling you what she does but I will tell you that she's been working on a great project Uh, which is looking at innovative solutions to rural climate change challenges. Now, as we know, uh, those are quite numerous, but she's got some fantastic examples of what's being done to combat that. Do keep listening to the end because there's actually an opportunity of some potential funding for next year's round of the challenge. But she's going to talk to us about uh, the challenge this year and some of the amazing applications she's had and some innovative solutions that she's had. Now, this episode is once again sponsored by Gillespie McAndrew, the Scottish legal firm. So we are incredibly grateful to them uh, and send them our thanks. But um, meantime, I hope you enjoy listening and perhaps feel a little bit inspired. My name is Carmen Poptadutu and I am the Social Innovation Challenge Programme Manager for Firstport. Firstport are Scotland's agency for social entrepreneurs. So we support startup social entrepreneurs to start their businesses. And we have a range of different funding and support opportunities to do that. The Social Innovation Challenge is specifically looking at very innovative ideas that people have that enable them to look at the most pressing challenges of our times. So in the past, we had a slightly different program called the Social Innovation Competition, which would award three £5,000 um, awards every year in response to a theme. Uh, this was funded by the, by the Scottish Government, and we are still supported by the Scottish Government. But this year we launched the Social Innovation Challenge, which is a redesigned program. This time we had a 50,000 pot award um, available, award pot available. And again, we looked at a specific theme, this time being climate change challenges faced by rural communities in Scotland. So we are very keen to get innovative solutions from the communities themselves in response to these challenges that we know that they are facing. And I think it would be fair to say, although correct me if I'm wrong, that people in rural areas can be disproportionately affected by climate change issues, um, whether that's because of infrastructure challenges and transport challenges. Um, is that fair to say? Is that, is that one of the reasons why you focused on, on rural areas for this particular challenge? Absolutely. So we know that people in rural communities, as you say, are disproportionately affected by climate change challenges. But knowing that, and there is research available on that, before we launched the challenge, we wanted to make sure that we really understood what that meant. So I engaged with stakeholders and social entrepreneurs from across Scotland, uh, most of them living or 
doing their social enterprises in rural areas to really understand what how those challenges are affecting them in their day-to-day lives. There were issues caused by the infrastructure or the lack of infrastructure, the effects of, for example, extreme weather events, which we are seeing more and more, were, much, were felt much more in communities and the general resilience of these communities was something that they could really feel as being undermined by these extreme weather events and the lack of infrastructure and something that they really wanted to focus on. So that was very important to us to make sure that we heard them and that we were looking for solutions that could contribute to to that resilience that the rural communities have. What do you think really are the key issues facing rural communities at the moment with specific relation to to climate change? Um, So some of the strongest themes we got from the user engagement with the, the around the challenges faced by rural communities were transport uh, was one of the big ones. The lack of infrastructure and the high carbon cost of actually getting from anywhere to anywhere in rural areas. And of course, there are equity impacts there as well, because people have the same rights to to get the services or appointments as anyone living in an urban area, but actually it comes with a much higher carbon and monetary cost. So transport was a big one. The lack of options around renewable energy, especially around retrofitting homes, because a lot of homes in rural areas are actually quite an old stock um, or they can't really be easily retrofitted. So that involved a huge cost. And then there are also issues around actually getting contractors to come and do this work. There was either no one available or someone available in six months time at a huge cost. And that was also seen as, you know, potentially a lack of, there's just not enough demand in rural areas or it's not aggregated demand. So contractors aren't willing to travel. There were issues around resilience in the face of extreme weather events. So a lot of rural communities have been completely cut off by some of the storms we've had in recent years, sometimes for days on end, where they've had no access to power or electricity. And that really highlighted the need to become more resilient and more self, self-sustainable self within their local areas. And there were also issues around access to local produce or sustainably grown produce, as well as waste disposal and some of the farming practices um, aren't Sometimes things happen that shouldn't happen, and even when legislation is introduced that should be banning the unsustainable practices, there is no support on the ground to actually help people make the transition. They are sort of left in a limbo with no support to actually change how they do things. So quite a lot there actually to be addressed. So in summary, the challenge involves a £50,000 pot of money and social enterprises across Scotland who've got an innovative idea to combat climate change um, were eligible to apply for some funding from this pot. Now, I don't think you know yet who has been successful because applications have not long closed. But can you tell me a little bit about either about some applications that you've had to give us some examples or um, applications that you've worked with or projects that you've worked with in the past, just to kind of give us an idea of what types of things this pot is going to be contributing towards? Of course. So as, as I mentioned, the Social Innovation Challenge being a, a redesigned program, this it's, it's not been run in this way before. And as you said, even though we don't know yet who the winner will be, we have recently announced the shortlist. So I can tell you about the four shortlisted ideas. Oh, yes, please do. Please do. 
Um, so we received a total of 13 applications this year in response to the challenge and the four shortlisted applications are from different corners of Scotland. So we have one from the Far North Community Development Trust who are based in, in the very north of Scotland. So they are looking at fixing the very, very difficult problem of transport in rural communities, creating a community transport enterprise that would offer door-to-door -door affordable transport services to people, especially, you know, for services that we take for granted, going to a hospital, going to a dentist, going to the bigger shops, all these things that we in urban areas take for granted, they are real problems in rural communities and they're looking at doing this with electric vehicles so also adding some carbon savings therefore addressing the climate change issue as well. Another one of the shortlisted applications is from Olapu, so Olapu Unpacked looking at tackling plastic waste. So they at the moment they have a refill trailer where they offer some products um, available to buy in bulk with no no plastic packaging and they are looking at scaling up their enterprise to offer activities and workshops around environmental and sustainable living as well as more more options we also have a shared application from the isle of iona so they are looking at renewable energy and using ground source heat networks to address again the very difficult challenge of um, actually providing more affordable and more sustainable heat to the communities on a world-renowned island that is actually really hard to um, to deliver these changes to because a lot of the housing stock is actually in conservation areas and again something that we heard through the research is that it's really hard to do any retrofitting in rural areas because there's just no one available to do it and it's really hard to get the actual contractors and stuff to to go there and make these changes and then the final shortest application is from Nafriz and Galloway. Um, Propagate have a food hub, the Glenkins food hub, and they are looking at um, using local producers, local food producers, and again, focusing on regenerative farming practices and sustainable farming practices and offering food grown through these sustainable methods to the local community to make sure that they can access fresh quality produce on a regular basis. So quite a mix, um, you know, there's not one theme, there's actually four, four different themes, but um, we are very excited to, to be looking at these four solutions and we will be working with um, all of them to see how we can support them in the future. It sounds like as well, regardless of, of um, who gets selected, it sounds like that's four four new podcasts for me because I could go and chat <laughs> to each of those. And, and as you say, they're all very different, so we'd get a great different story from, from each of them. So do, how does it work then? Does just one project get selected and they receive the whole £50,000 pot? Is that how it works? Or do you divide the pot up between who you consider to be sort of the most uh, impressive projects? Uh, so again, the applicants, they they were able to bid for up to the maximum amount. So we only have one pot of £50,000 um, and they will go to a panel, they will pitch their ideas and then the panel will choose the winner because, well, because they have all pretty much bid for close to the maximum or the maximum, we won't be able to um, spread it across them. But we have made a commitment that because these are all good ideas, and I'm sure you can you can see that. Yes. We will see how we can support them and work with them to to promote all of these four ideas, regardless of who the winner of the 
of the award money is. Yeah. And I suppose that's the thing. You know, they, one of the reasons why they've applied to your pot is perhaps because there aren't many other avenues that they can go down to try and get funding for these ideas. And often it's very difficult to self-fund something like that. So I guess that's one of the benefits is that you're enabling a project to happen that otherwise may may have never seen the light of day. Yeah, I mean, you know, credit grant credit is due a lot of these um, enterprises access support from other funders as well. And, you know, we're sort of part funding them if, if we do indeed manage to, if, if they are one of the winners. It's a feature of social enterprise nowadays that they do have to have different networks and work with several funders in order to get an idea off the ground. And that's part of why we started the Social Innovation Challenge. And it is the biggest grant that First Sports are offering at the moment. And we are really excited to, to be able to support a really worthy social enterprise. And yeah, I'm just really excited to see who the winner will be yeah well likewise we'll follow the process and uh, and hopefully speak to them for for a future podcast and as i said maybe the other three as well i suppose i'm curious we identified didn't we at the beginning that rural populations are disproportionately affected by climate change what would you think are the key barriers then for them to solving some of these problems we've identified what problems are but what are the barriers to, to prevent them from nobody can wave a magic wand but you know what's what's stopping them from having solved some of these issues before now well funding is obviously one one of the big big issues um but also there's quite a lot of energy and commitment required these solutions the ones that work most often come from the community themselves but that is a lot to ask and quite often people have to self-mobilize and put their own time and their own energy into coming up with these solutions going to the funders getting support so it's, it's quite a lot of commitment to ask from the members of the community themselves but i think that the more we share knowledge and we share information about what works in a particular area and if communities can inspire each other and help each other and there is a lot of appetite for that kind of stuff more can be replicated Again, when we were doing the research, something that we heard from the people we were talking to was that innovation means something very different in a rural context than it does in an urban context. And that was something we we really wanted to take on board. So something that's new in a particular community, whether it's new to that village or whether it's new to the area, even if it's been done in Glasgow seven times over, that doesn't mean it's not innovative within, in the local context. We need to recognize that and we need to continue putting resources behind the people who want to do something and support them to do it. And yes, that can be funding, that can be opportunities for time and skill sharing. But there are also issues that, you know, with all the goodwill in the world, communities won't be able, for example, to fix all the roads in, you know, in all of the all of the highlands or all of the rural areas. So there are also issues that will need a, a bigger response. I know, and you will have, have known or learned through your research that rural people are quite a determined and kind of tenacious bunch of people. So I'm curious as to what, what strengths you think that, that all of these rural people have in all of these shortlisted projects that will enable them to overcome some of these challenges and to really make that money um, deliver a hugely positive outcome? What is it about these people and these communities that's likely to generate such positive uh, work? Oh, well, that's quite a difficult question to answer because there are just so many strengths and 
all of these four ideas, what really set them apart from the other ones that we got was the strength of the community buy-in and how much they actually worked and involved the communities themselves in developing these solutions. So it wasn't just someone deciding, I'll fix your problem, this is what you need. It was actually all developed by involving everyone and listening to everyone and having that sort of democratic approach to solution building, which I think is really admirable because that takes time. That takes so much time and so much effort. And like I said, it's all self-driven. So there's that, but there's also, there's much more awareness, I think, of what needs to be done and how some modern or current practices are unsustainable. So for this challenge, in particular, looking at environmental challenges and climate change, there's much more awareness of how actually things are changing. Um, the growing seasons are changing. The fish populations are changing. We have more and more extreme weather events, which have left some communities you know, with no power, no electricity for days on end. So there's much more awareness that something needs to be done now. <laughs> Yeah. Again, I'm curious, because I think as individuals, and even as small groups of people and small communities, it's easy to fall into a trap of thinking, oh, you know, I'm just one person, or we're just one tiny community, we can't make an observable or concrete contribution to ameliorating climate change. And yet, actually, that's not true, because you, you've seen 13 and now shortlisted to four small communities who can make a difference. Um, but how do, you, how do you think these projects, which in the grand world scheme of things are small projects, but how can they c contribute to the, the much wider challenge that we're all facing and that the whole country and the whole world is, is facing? Well, I, I think we need more of this because it actually shows that, you know, one individual can make a difference. And I know, you know, I was talking about the community buy-in and how much community involvement there has been, but some of them have been driven by one or two individuals with, you know, mobilizing the whole community. And actually, one person's passion and ambition can really be the catalyst that's necessary to bring everyone together. And I, I think we need more of these examples because... It shows that there is an alternative, it challenges the status quo, and that that then can inspire other people to make their changes and to change something in their communities or to, you know, get together with someone else and do something bigger if that's what they want to do. And it all adds up. Um, all, all these little changes, they all add up. And just that, just knowing that there is an alternative um, is, is hugely impactful, I think, and we do need more of that. Is it part of the commitment that they make upon receiving the funding that they must then, I suppose, effectively tell their story to enable other people to, to learn from what they've done? Because, you know, actually you've got... You've got phenomenal case study material, haven't you, here for, for how to demonstrate best practice and to show other people what can be achieved with effectively, you know, um, small-ish amounts of money. So uh, do you look to, to the, the, the um, communities to, to, to use themselves and to demonstrate themselves as an example to others? Yes, and that's definitely something we're looking at. We're already in discussion with the four uh, shortest applicants to, to see how we can support them in creating case studies about um, the changes and, and what they're doing. But I think that comes naturally because social enterprise is all about giving back. So even before starting these conversations, again, it was very apparent in their applications that they wanted to 
to share everything that they could about what worked, what didn't work, their business models to help other communities who might be facing similar challenges um, implement their own solutions. And I think that's really admirable. And that's what, you know, it's, it's at the very heart of social enterprise ethos. And undoubtedly, it, it will it will help others in the future come up with their own solutions. Mm. And I suppose the, the, the third wheel or the third leg of the stool um you've got funding you know the funding will come to whoever is selected um you've got the innovative idea but then the third leg of the school the stool i suppose is is skills to be able to use that funding and that idea and actually deliver upon them how does that work is is there part of the pot or are there contacts and uh, within first port and, and your network that can also help to upskill people and, and give them the the tools that they need to to maximize the benefit of this idea and, and this money absolutely so whoever we do end up awarding the funding to they will have regular contact with ourselves and we will be looking at what their ambitions what their goals and what their milestones are and the skills that they need to get there and where we come in and how we can support them and that will depend you know on a case-by-case basis they might need a lot of support or they might know exactly what they're doing but we will still want to be involved in the conversation to make sure that where we can add value we will our strength is very much in a network of social entrepreneurs that we have supported over the years so we will be looking to create opportunities to bring people together and you know networking sounds like such a simple thing but actually there's so much value in it so we are already looking at um an event on the 31st of October, we'll have an event in Perth where we will announce the, the winner of the Social Innovation Challenge. And that will be one of the first um, sort of networking opportunities and also an opportunity to share share the news about these four um, case studies. This is about legacy as well, isn't it? You know, we've talked about case studies, but actually it's creating legacies within these, these pockets and these communities that could last for, for decades, if not longer. And, and I guess that's what's so inspiring about it it must be frustrating for you that that only one can be or or we think only one can be selected when you've seen so many projects come through that have got so much potential oh it's it's only one that will potentially get the social innovation challenge funding but as i said we are committed to working with all these four shortlisted applicants to see how else we can support them for some of them depending on what stage they are some of our other funding programs might be an option so we will be continue to yeah work with them and support them however way we can because they are good ideas and there are things that they are needed and more than anything they all deliver really strong social impact they all have the potential to make people's lives better and that's what we're all about so there are the environmental concerns of course but there's also benefits to be gained by you know people and and we do want to enable that as much as possible you can't you can't separate it can you really you, you you've searched the challenge searched for solutions to climate change but actually you can never separate that from communities and people and business and commerce and um, volunteering and goodwill and you know the whole the all of those things fall under the same umbrella i think it's really it's really inspiring and is this is this an annual challenge? Uh, 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 will I be speaking to you again next year? Do you think about what's what the theme is for next year and what's coming forward then? Yes, yes, I'm very glad you asked. So we will have a different theme every year. So as soon as this challenge is um, finalized, we will start looking at what the theme for next year will be. So we'll have some way of of um, determining this with the help of 
other people as well. So we won't set the challenge. We will be actually looking at what the most pressing challenges of our times are. I think we all have clues as to what that might be considering the times we're living in. But uh, yes, we will announce a new theme early next year and then we'll have a new social innovation challenge open around springtime. Perfect, perfect. So there you have it. Um, Climate change is a challenge, but individuals and groups and communities and social enterprises have got a whole host of solutions that are all coming forward. And I think that collectively they can help us to all feel a little bit more upbeat and optimistic about how we can face that challenge. So uh, keep an eye on the First Port website if you think you have a project that might be eligible for next year. But that's all for this week. Thank you once again to Carmen and thank you once again to Gillespie McAndrew for supporting this episode. And uh, we shall be back Actually, we'll be back in two weeks' time because next week is half term for the majority of Scotland. So we're taking uh, a week off, but uh, back again in two weeks. Mm-hmm.